Turn with me for a few minutes before we come to the Lord's table to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. The theme for VBS this week is um, the incredible race. One family, one race, one savior is the subtitle of the week. And uh, this race for the children this week is not going to be just any race. They will be having an um, interesting time using clues to find certain things. They'll be taking uh, trips around the world and hearing about the different nations of the world. But the Bible lessons they'll hear this week are about another race, and that's the human race. Today, uh, what's it, seven, about seven billion people in the human family, about seven billion, and uh, we're not lost to God. He knows us. Bible's very clear. Uh, he loves us and he knows us as individuals. And uh, the teachers this week are going to be um, talking to the children about the big human race. Okay? And uh, they're going to talk about the human race in light of Genesis 11. And that's why we're going to look at it for a few minutes this morning. And after considering what happened in Genesis chapter 11, an actual historical event of the building of the Tower of Babel, uh, they will see how people came to be settling in various parts of the world, represented by the flags here. They will see how many different cultures there are around the world where people do things sometimes quite differently than we do. And then, of course... They'll be hearing about the different languages that are spoken around the world. It is amazing uh, how God has um, spread people throughout the earth. And we're going to look at this as we look at this um, passage in Genesis 11. Now, on day one, they're going to be thinking about before Babel or before the Tower of Babel was built. Babel or Babel, whatever way you want to pronounce it. And they're going to look at Genesis 1 through 3, and they're going to see how God created our world, and He, the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, and how they fell into sin. And so therefore, no one runs the race of life perfectly because sin came into the human family. Uh, Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam was the first man. There weren't cavemen before Adam. All these truths will be taught from the Word of God. Adam's the first man. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, death by sin, death passes upon all men, for all have sinned. So much that children can learn from the truth of just Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But then on day 2, they're going to look at the events that we're going to look at for a few minutes this morning at the Tower of Babel and see that God had to scatter the people throughout the earth. We'll talk about why in just a few minutes. After the Tower of Babel, then you have the different languages and different people groups around the world, and then the point is going to be made again. There's one human race. A lot of times you'll hear people pitting races against races. Technically speaking, there's only one human race. And there's only... um, uh, the, the fact that we all came from Adam and then the sons of Noah, we, we all go back to Adam, you see, and to Noah and his family. One race. And uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, people have different cultures. Of course they have different cultures. They've lived in different parts of the world. And they'll say, well, people have different skin colors. And the amazing thing is 
There's only one thing that determines skin color. That's melanin, M-E-L-N-I-N, melanin. And uh, some of us have more than others. You know, Eric's got more than I do. Some have more than others. But we all have the same basic component in our skin. It's amazing. And we're going to be talking about that in VBS week as well. So there's one race. Uh, day four, they're going to talk about Babel and the gospel and the fact that, as Joseph mentioned this morning, the Lord wants the gospel taken throughout the nations of the earth. Easy to say, sometimes very difficult to do because some places the Bible is not allowed in the country. And see, that's the problem in our world today. That's why there's wars and fighting and strife because man exalts himself and sets up rules that are contrary to the rule of God. Babel and the Gospel on day four. And then, of course, day five, why Babel matters today. And it's going to break down not only the fact that the Lord wants us to take the Gospel to other countries, but even here in our own country. God wants children to, to treat one another with love and respect. And sometimes that is lacking in our society. The children will see in schools things like bullying, and uh, uh, hatred uh, amongst even one another in certain situations. And that's not pleasing to God. God wants us to have that respect for others who may look different than we do. The color of their skin may be different. But 1 Peter 3.15 says, Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts and be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Be ready to tell others why you... Um, have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Be, be ready to give an answer to those who may ask of the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness, and that can be translated, and with respect. And children will be taught these things this week. Now, Genesis 1 through 11, just quickly, uh, covers the subject of creation, the fall of man, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Four very important things which the children will be learning about this week. The creation of man... Man didn't evolve from lower forms of life. God created man, and he created our world in six days, creation. The fall of man into sin, Adam disobeyed God, Eve as well, and uh, sin came into the human family. The flood, and then the Tower of Babel that we'll look at in just a moment. In Genesis 11, 1-9, we see why and how the nations of the earth were put into being. Uh, the people were scattered across the face of the globe. And uh, the interesting thing is, as this passage was read this morning, uh, you will notice that there is pride in the um, hearts and minds of people as they begin to build this tower. Okay? Um, they prided themselves in what they could do. Let's build a city and let's build a tower. The interesting thing is when you look into the Word of God, uh, sometimes people look at this passage and say, you know, I really don't see what, what's, what's there. Well, what's there is very important, and the children will find this out. God created the human family, but the human family continued to rebel against God. Um, the flood came. Noah and his family, they knew and loved God, but... Uh, the multitude of people on the face of the earth were uh, rebelling against God. So God sent a universal flood. And then after the flood, um, another, uh, the sons of Noah, um, they 
multiplied on the face of the earth. And then they went into rebellion as well, as we see in chapter 11 here before us. Now, here's the interesting thing. You'll notice that it says in verse 4, And they said, Let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Now, you may not immediately lift this out of the text of Scripture, but there's actually in that rebellion against God. And the interesting thing is there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 24, that says this, The fear of the wicked will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. The fear of the wicked will come upon him. Now, what was the greatest fear? Look at verse 4 again. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. There it is. They did not want to be scattered across the face of the earth. They wanted to get together. And they said, look, uh, look what we can do as people. See, the point is they were neglecting to do what God asked them to do. God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and spread throughout the earth. God said to Noah and his children, be fruitful and multiply and spread throughout the earth. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to come together, and God was less and less in their thoughts. And they said, well, let's go ahead and and, and build a city and build a tower. We're going to stay right here in the area of Babylon, lest we be scattered. Now listen to that verse again. This is really interesting. Proverbs 10:24 The fear of the wicked will come upon him. What were they afraid of? Being scattered throughout the earth. They didn't want to do it. They rebelled against God. Now, if we go back to verse 1, you'll see that the text says very clearly that the people of the world at that time had one common language. They all understood one another, one common language. They settled in the land of Shinar or Babylon. But actually they were in resisting the command of God to spread out through all the world. And what God, the reason God wanted them to do this is, well, you know that man was made in the image of God. Man was made to have fellowship with God. So God wanted the peoples of the earth to move around the various locations, and he knew that they would multiply and become more and more all the time. And these who scattered around were to encourage one another to worship the true and the living God. But you see, the text of Scripture says they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. And they said, first, you'll notice there's the the word come, and I'm going to call this the first come. They said, come, let us make bricks and bake them. Had brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. Come, let us build for ourselves a city. And actually, there's three things they want to do here. They want to build a city and have a name for themselves, and they want to have a new religion. You see, they're not going to be worshiping the true and living God. That's what happened. Let's make a name for ourselves. Here's where the the, the pride element comes in. Let's make a name for ourselves. Look, look at us. Look at the amount of people we have now. This is great. Let's build a city. Let's stay here. Let me mention this. You miss the import of what's happening here if you miss the fact that God said, no, I want you to spread out through all the world, across the globe. I want you to spread out. And when you spread out, I want you to tell others about me, the true and the living God. They didn't want to do that. 
They wanted to stay there together, and it was pride uh, that took over in their lives. Come, let us make a name for ourselves. Pride is very dangerous. It really is. Pride is arrogance and overwhelming self-confidence, and it results in an unwillingness to submit to God and results in an insensitivity to others. I'm going to repeat that. Why is it that some people don't move towards God? Well, they say things like, well, I don't need God. I've heard people say that. I don't need God. We do need Him, don't we? I didn't hear any amens. (laughs) We need Him. We need Him. But pride can be a terrible thing. It really can. Uh, Pride can keep people from humbling themselves before God. You see, that's what God wants us to do, to recognize that he's the giver of every good and perfect gift in life. And we humble ourselves before him. We say, Lord, you are the giver of life. You have blessed my life. And and because you've blessed my life, I want to tell others about you. You see, because we're blessed, we in turn can be used by God to tell others who really don't know why they have the blessings of life. They have them because of the Lord. But tremendous pride took over with these people who were building the uh, city and the tower. Pride can even corrupt godly people like Uzziah in the Old Testament, the king who did so much and had such a great army in Israel. But it says in Second Chronicles 26, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Very sad. Very, very sad. Sometimes people say, well, you know, you talk about pride. Isn't there such a thing as good pride? Let me think about that with you for a minute. Is there such a thing as good pride? Well, you hear people talk about school pride. There can be a a joy in accomplishments. So there's a sense in which there, but we have to be very careful because pride can be that which keeps a person from literally having a relationship with God and can keep people insensitive to those around them. In fact, the Lord told the people of Israel, he said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when you have eaten and are satisfied, here's the danger. There is a danger that your heart will become proud and you will forget about God. You see, there's a lot of people today who enjoy a lot of blessings in this life and they come to the conclusion they don't need God. It's not good. In fact, the Bible warns about the, the dangers of pride. Very quickly, looking along in here, it says that they wanted to build a tower whose top reached up into the heavens. Now, this is not only talking about the height of that tower that they built, the Tower of Babel. In fact, that set the precedent for other kinds of towers that have been built around the world. And uh, when when you see a, a Mayan ruins, or you see towers... One of the first things you say, man, that is amazing. I mean, you look at the tall buildings in Dallas. You know, boy, that's amazing what man can do. But you see, that can create pride. And that's what happened to these people in Genesis chapter 11. Um, he said, let's, uh, let's build a tower whose top reaches up into the heavens. And this, by the way, has a religious meaning. Um, they wanted to go on to the top of that tower, Genesis 11, And they wanted to worship, but don't miss this. They weren't going to worship God. They weren't going to worship God. 
That was the beginning of worshiping all kinds of gods. And you say, well, how did um, the country of India get to the place where they have thousands of gods? It all started right here in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel where man wanted to have the glory. And he creates his own gods, not the true and living God. And other countries around the world today have their gods, but not the true and living God. False gods actually began in the land of Babylon, that text that you have before you. Furthermore, from Babylon comes the, uh, the worship of the stars. Um, it's very... Take a look at a verse with me. Keep your hand there in Genesis. Look over at Deuteronomy 4.19. Watch this quickly. Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 4.19. This is so clear. 4.19. And the Lord says, Take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of the heaven, you feel driven to worship them. That's what they did at the Tower of Babel. They're worshiping the sun, moon, and stars. And you'll hear people say, well, you know, uh, the American Indians, they, they worship their gods and they worship the sun. Uh, just, just let them do that. This is what anthropologists say. I remember our own Rod Lewis, who used to be in Brazil, and uh, he, he went down to teach the people about Jesus Christ and the creator uh, of our world and the one who went to the cross to die for our sins. And um, the uh, anthropologist would come in and say, you know, you don't need to be taking these people and changing their religion. They, they need to be able to just stay with their religion and their culture. And Rod would say to them, you know, there's one true and living God who sent his son. And the only way they can have these people can have their sins forgiven is to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Rod said that very clearly, and I'll never forget how he said it and when he said it. So here's what's happening at the Tower of Babel. Now, uh, the interesting thing is uh, they called together. They said to the people, come and, and let us build. And then <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to look at the text just for a couple minute, more minutes with me and uh, notice... The Lord calls a council together in verse 7. Did you see it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> Which council is going to be stronger? <laughs> the one at the Tower of Babel or God's council? Wow, this is a beauty. So you have another come here. God says, come, let us. Why does he say us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another, so they can't keep building this tower and continuing that false worship. Very interesting. Very interesting. The first come is spoken by man against God. The second come is spoken by God against man's rebellion. Very interesting. But here's where it really gets interesting. God speaks clearly to us today. Through his word, the scriptures. Very clearly. And he continues to use the word come, by the way. And, and just listen to these for a moment before we come to the Lord's table. Isaiah 118, the Lord said, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be will, like wool. And what God says is this. 
Yes, man has rebelled against me. And we talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning. Man can really rebel against God. But God's a God who's gracious and merciful and compassionate. And he says, if you'll come to me and ask for forgiveness of your sins, I will cleanse you from your sins. Now, in just a few minutes, we'll be at the table together. And we'll be eating the bread and we'll be drinking the cup, the fruit of the vine. And it's going to remind us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So the beautiful thing in the Bible is this. God keeps that invitation going, even today. Sometimes people say, I don't know why the world keeps going on like it is. I'll tell you why. It's answered in in Peter's letter. He's not willing that people perish. And he still wants somebody else to be saved. And so some place in the world today, there will be people trusting Jesus as their Savior. Because the Lord continues to say, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you spiritual rest. You know what's beautiful about this? It's, it's beautiful. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, there's amazing spiritual rest that can come into your life. You don't have to live a life of worry and strife and struggle when you come to Jesus. Because he's the author of life and he's the giver of life and he's the giver of wisdom uh, for those who will trust him as Lord and Savior. So the Lord continues to say, come to me. The result, cleansing from sin. Burdens are listed. I'm going to read that verse again. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wow. What a Savior we have. You know, uh, one of the things that we, we probably should keep in mind, I'm going to close with this verse. If you want to look at it with me, I don't want you to forget it. I really don't. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Sometimes people say, well, why, do, why is it that some people who even hear about God go into rebellion and say, I don't need God. I, I don't need God's people. I can live my life without him. Well, because of the deception of the enemy of our souls. That's the reason it happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says this. Paul is speaking to believers and he says this. 11.3 But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. Who was the serpent? Satan himself. By craftiness, watch this now, that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul said, I'm concerned that something will happen in your thinking that will cause you to think that you don't need God and you don't have to stay close to Jesus Christ and you don't need to read the Bible and you don't need to pray that much. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants you to start thinking, I don't really need these things in the Christian life. I don't really need to read the Bible that often. We do need to read God's Word. The Word of God sustains us daily through the week. It encourages us. It helps us to see that there's a God who loves us and wants to take care of us. But Satan, you'll notice he says, don't don't miss this verse, please. 
somehow Satan who deceived Eve by his craftiness. That your minds are corrupted for the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people will say, you know, I hear about this Christian and they even grew up in the church and they heard about God and they've fallen away. Well, why do they fall away? I'll tell you why. Because they fail to see the beauty in Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is absolutely beautiful. You see, he went to the cross for you and me. He lives within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you hear of maybe even a young person and they fall away from the Lord and, and, and their thinking is, oh, I can do this without God and uh, I, can, I can get all kinds of things in life without God. What's happening? Satan's working in their thinking and causing them to think that we don't need the beautiful Savior who came for you and me. So don't let anyone ever, ever, try to move you away from your understanding of the importance of your relationship with Jesus through the week. Get your Bible open. Look at verses of Scripture. Pray about what you see. Pray about your own spiritual life. Don't let Satan come along and deceive you and move you away from devotion to Christ. You see, you say... Well, well, you know, I know so-and-so, and they just dropped out of the church. Well, yeah, they dropped out of the church because first they dropped out of their love for our awesome Savior. We need to be very careful. Let's go to prayer before we go to the Lord's table.